0: studying to be a minister of the gospel, my student churches was a circuit of two close-by wooden churches in the inner slum areas of Melbourne. For seven years, during the late 1950s and the early 1960s, the people of those inner slum areas of Newmarket and Ascot Vale were my parish. From the age of 18 through to 25, I lived and worked among some of Melbourne's worst slums while I attended theological college and university prior to my graduation and ordination. I had not been ministering at the Newmarket Church for very long when one day a knock came at one of the wooden front doors of the church. As a student minister, I had only a limited time in the parish to do any pastoral work or counselling, I used to hang a notice outside the wooden door saying, Minister available for counselling at any time when I just happened to be in the area and had an hour in between appointments. So this day I was working in the little front room which doubled as a study and an office but was also used for meetings and Sunday school classes and wedding preparation and private counselling and just about anything else when a knock came to the door. Now... In spite of the fact that I had my good sign on the door, Minister Available for Counselling, I must confess that no one had ever taken advantage of it. This was the first knock on the door by someone who wanted to speak to me. I opened the door into the bright sunshine to be faced by a well-dressed man with a neat, fitting, three-piece suit with a jaunty hat with a feather in it. He had a white handkerchief in his top pocket and gave the air of being a happy professional man at ease with himself in the world. He introduced himself as Mr Alexander Tamby and asked if he could step into my study for a very confidential matter. Well, I rather felt quite pleased with myself that I had at least someone coming to see me for counselling. So I showed him in the door, over the big doormat, and he went into the study. And as he went, I noticed his shoes were fairly scruffy and not clean. Now, I had been taught by my mother never to wear a suit without polished shoes, and I never have. And I noticed the state of his shoes with some surprise and perhaps a little suspicion. He introduced himself to me as Alexander Alastair Tammy, <laughs> laughed, saying, Oh, you'll never forget my name, Alexander Alastair Tamby. It's the same initials, TAA, as the Australian airline, TAA. He laughed and sat down on the old horsehair leather chair which had seen much better days, but which for most of its 90 years had been in the little wooden church and had been in that room. He started to tell me about his life. As a matter of great embarrassment that brought him to me at this moment, he showed me a number of references that had been written by businessmen and ministers, written on the backs of their business cards. I read one which said, I commend Alexander Alastair Tamby for his consistent Christian character. And that card came from a Church of England clergyman. Another card said, I've employed Mr. Alexander Alastair Tamby and find him trustworthy and loyal and that came from an estate agent. Well, I read the cards he proffered with some in- interest. He was obviously very embarrassed about the difficulty and held his hat between his knees, running his fingers round the brim of it in a most anxious manner. He told me that he had never before been in such a difficult and embarrassing position. Over the years, he had helped many clergymen and had been a member in several churches, particularly in a country town where he had lived for most of his life, but. Now, having shifted to the city, he discovered himself in this most um, embarrassing situation. The thought flitted through my mind that he might have just discovered he had one of those dreadful sexually transmitted diseases or something. It really was embarrassing. He went on to explain, however, that he had purchased a house not far from us and he mentioned the name of the street. Well, actually, I knew the house because it was only around the corner, a little way from the Newmarket Church of Christ, and it had a for sale notice outside it for some time. He indicated that he had purchased that house and was anxious to get into it. His furniture had all arrived with an out-of-state carrier, but because of a legal holdup, which meant the people in the house were not able to get out in time, he had had to send the furniture van back to base for two or three days while he sorted out the financial arrangements with the other family and got admission to his own house. I understood that problem, and even though I was only 18 years of age, I know those hitches could occur when you're shifting from house to house. But the point of real embarrassment, however, was that in all the luggage was his books and personal papers, including his checkbook and his bank books, with the result that he had neither the money nor the ability to get the money from the bank for another couple of days. However his mother lived at Dandenong and he was planning to go there and stay with her for three days and he would have no difficulty with living costs with her but he was in just the immediate embarrassing situation of needing one pound five shillings train fare. Well I sympathized with his problem and agreed that I could give it to him. He looked immensely relieved and thanked me profusely. I then explained to him that I was in the situation where One pound five shillings was actually a vast amount of money to me and I didn't actually have that much cash with me. But I had already made arrangements, in fact only about two or three weeks earlier, with the local station master that should this situation ever arise, he would advance me credit so long as I gave him a requisition form on church letterhead and taking a sheet of notepaper upon which was written the name and the address of the Newmarket Church of Christ, I wrote a brief note to the station master at Newmarket, telling him I knew Mr Alexander Alastair Tamby, who had uh, some identification with him, and asked the station master to provide him with a single second-class fare to Dandenong, and stating that I would pay the station master for the train ticket on Friday the 24th of this month, I signed it and gave it to Mr Tamby. Well, he fingered the letter for a long time, and then he said, well, I'm uh, sorry, Padre, but um, this letter will not help me. You see, I really need the cash, because, you see, I must go by tram, first of all, into the city, because I put my hand luggage into one of the lockers at the Flinders Street railway station, so I must go and pick up my hand luggage from Flinders Street first. Now... I did not have anyone I knew on the trams to write a similar letter to, and I became even more suspicious of his motives for wanting cash, because he could have quite easily got off at Flinders Street Station and picked up his hand luggage. I said to him, Mr Tanby, I apologize for saying this, but I've got a, a feeling that you're trying to rip me off. I've got an idea that you're more likely to spend this money I now give you in a pub rather than buying a train ticket to Dandenong, but if helps you get to your mother, then quite frankly I'll be, re- be relieved. But, but on the other hand, Mr Tamby, you're such a plausible rogue, and you've told me such a darn good story that whatever money I have and lose, well, I reckon it'll be worth the price. He looked at me most hurt as I went through my wallet and pockets and I came up with twelve and sixpence. He looked at me and he said, Padre. How could you say such a thing? I would never lie to you. I swear by Almighty God that every word I've told you this day is true. May God strike me dead if I've ever uttered a word of a lie. And his words were so forceful and so sincere and so powerful that I actually felt ashamed that I'd even questioned his integrity. So I dug around the corners of my pockets and put together the twelve and sixpence. And then as he was leaving, he said, Oh, By the way, could I have your card with your telephone number on it so I can ring you and tell you how I'm getting on and and I'll tell you as soon as my furniture is shifted in, I'll be round here to worship God every week come the first Sabbath day, mark my words. I took one of my newly printed cards which announced that I was the pastor of the Newmarket and Ascot Vale Churches of Christ. But across the back of it, I wrote ring me in any time of need. I did not believe in leaving a blank card which could be filled in by someone else as I guessed his other cards had been filled in. Well, he dipped his hat to me and went off walking down the street towards the tram line with a jaunty air. I decided I'd follow him. I pocketed the keys and started discreetly at a distance as he turned the corner to follow after him. I set off after him down the road. I followed him down Flemington Road. I stood behind a wide old elm tree. And to my embarrassment, he stood at the tram stop and waited till tram 14 came along, which would take him into the city where his hand luggage was in the locker. The tram stopped and a couple of ladies got off and he stepped out towards the tram and then deviated behind the tram. And the tram took off without him, went on its way without him, but he walked straight across the road into the swinging doors of the Dutagala pub. I watched him go into the bar and then turned and walked back to the church. I had been right. I was disappointed that he had let me down in spite of all of his protestations, but I was satisfied that my judgments of the first person who ever came to me were correct. That night... Quite late, someone called to me from the upstair window of the student accommodation at the College of the Bible in Glen Iris. He called out my name several times. This was the poor student who had the worst unit in the whole college. He had the flat next door to the one telephone for students. I was downstairs in a newer part of the building. However, I heard my name being called, pulled on my dressing gown and slippers over my pyjamas and went in that early hour to answer the student phone that served all 60 young student ministers in the college. The voice over the other end coughed and apologised for disturbing me in the middle of the night. He introduced himself to me as Sergeant of Police at the Newmarket Police Station. He asked me, did I know a Thomas Alexander Archibald? I thought and said, no, I don't know anybody by that name. And then he said, do you know Alexander Augustus Toplady? And I again replied, I didn't know anybody by that name. Then he said, do you know any of the following four men? Aram, Adam, Thomas. No. Albert Abbott-Tenafield. No. Arthur Taft-Abramson. No. Alan Agnew-Taylor. No, no, I, I'm sorry, Sergeant, I... I'm sorry, I don't know any of those men at all. And the sergeant continued. Well, it's not any of those men, uh, because you see, they're all the same man, and all of his names have the initials AAT or TAA, the same as the Australian National Airline. And I replied, Oh, I do know a man by that name, Alexander Alastair Tamby. And the police sergeant replied, Ah, oh, so that's the name he used with you, is it? Well, look here. Uh, One moment. Just let me look at this. uh, Ah, yes, here it is. Here it is. It's also on the list. This man that you know is a notorious con man, wanted in three states for fraud and deception. We arrested him this afternoon in the Dudagala Hotel. He was making a bit of a disturbance and we brought him back here to the cells. I told the police sergeant that I'd met him briefly earlier that day and I'd lent him 12 and sixpence. I said to the police sergeant, but why are you ringing me about this man? I, I, I don't really know anything about him except that he'd apparently bought a house that was for sale nearby to the church. Oh, <laughs> he used that old story with you, did he? Ah, oh, he's never bought a house. He doesn't own a thing. He's made his living for years just getting people to lend him money. We've had him on our list for a long time. Well, I've rung you because he needs your help. I replied to the police sergeant. Well, to be perfectly honest, I haven't had much experience of helping people like Mr Tamby. I'm only a student minister and I've only been at the church there at Newmarket for a few weeks. But if I can help, well, I'll do what I can. But honestly, I don't know what I can do. What do you suggest I do? Does he need bail? I mean, I'm only a student minister. I don't have enough money for bail. The police sergeant laughs. (laughs) Ha! no. He doesn't need bail, but you can help him with more than that. I said, well, if it's not bail, what can I do? And he said, you can bury him. Bury him? Yeah, we found him dead in his cell about two hours ago. The police doctor has just been and confirmed that he died of a heart attack. He'll probably need you to conduct his funeral. I suddenly remembered his awful oath. God strike me dead if a word of what I said to you has been a lie. Ooh, I hope God didn't strike him dead. I said to the police sergeant, "But why have you rung me? The sergeant said, because he was in the pub drunk, he was causing a disturbance, the publican called us, and when we found him, he had your card in his hand, and on the back of it, you had written, ring me in time of need, and I guess this is a time of his last need. Will you be able to bury him? Well, it was a time of need, and two days later a funeral was attended only by an undertaker, his assistant, the gravedigger, and myself, in a lonely part of Faulkner Cemetery, the mortal remains of Alexander Alastair Tamby, or or was it Alastair Augustus Toplady, or Aaron Adam Thomas, or Albert Abbott Tenderfield, or Arthur Taft Abramson, or Alan Agnew Taylor, or whoever he was. We committed him to God who just understood him when he entered into eternity. Well, it's been an interesting end to an unusual day when I first hung my sign outside the door of the Newmarket Church of Christ telling the world in general that they could come in because I was available for counselling and I first met the man in the jaunty hat with the feather in it and the fine suit but who wore scruffy shoes that made me a bit suspicious. I never guessed how that day would end up when, after finishing my work in the church, I headed out towards the heavy air blowing from the abattoirs and started my motorbike and headed back towards the College of the Bible to train as a young minister, thinking of my meeting with one of God's children in the slums of Newmarket.